I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes to your will, Lord. I'll say yes where you. If you're where you are and you can lift up your hands, give God some praise. Lift up your hands and praise Him. I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes. Lift up your hands to the Lord and sing it to Him. I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes to your will, Lord. I'll say yes. Glory to God. Where you lead me, I will go. Say yes to God. I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes to your will, Lord. I'll say yes, glory, hallelujah. Father God, 
Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. You are our guide. We bless you. Yes, God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, Jesus. Oh, yes, God. Yes, Lord. Oh, we are so grateful that you have opened up the doors for us to come and worship you. Yes, God. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We magnify you this evening, oh God. Everything, Lord. Hallelujah. Say yes, Lord. I'll say yes to your will, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, you know, if you're going to plant corn or rice or anything, you got to water the soil before you put the seed in it. Amen. And the word of God is the seed. I have an announcement that I'd like to make, and then we're going to pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, starting this week, we are no longer, you cannot see our show, our TV show anymore on H, uh, and on channel 20 or on dish or direct TV. Uh, however, if you have a smart TV, you can download the app and you will be able to see us. We are being shown on, um, on, um, on Mondays and Wednesdays and, uh, twice a day and on Wednesday, uh, um, um, and also um, on Wednesday at 7.30 and also at 3.30. And on um, Mondays, we're on at 5.30 and also at 3.30, which 5.30 would be uh, Pacific Standard Time and uh, Eastern Standard Time is 6.30. So we want, for those of you that have been watching us on the network, uh, we just want you to know and if you need more information, you're welcome to call or email us at gfdjc at att.net, and we will send you the information in writing. Also, um, for those of you that um, you can go to our website if you miss us on Facebook or miss us on the HBN television show, um, you can also go to our website at gfdjc.org, and you can go down to where it says prayer clinic. And then you can look and see where it says, um, watch us, listen to us. And you can listen to us on, um, on um, Apple TV. We're, we're on um, Spotify. And, you know, so you'll see everything down there that you can listen to us. You can listen to the messages and um, keep up with us and know what's going on. So if you're somewhere where you can bow your heads, would you bow your heads so we can pray before we get into the word. Amen. Glory be to God. Father, I thank you and I praise you today in the magnificent and the matchless name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Lord, I thank you today for giving me an access into the homes of people 
your creation, and some of them are your children. I pray, O oh God, that you will anoint the ears and open the hearts of each and every person that will hear this message, O oh God, and even those that's going to listen to it at a later date, O oh God, that they will be able to receive understand, retain, and apply what they are hearing. For Lord, we are living in the last days and I need, we need our people to be prepared. And the only way that they will be able to prepare to deal with what is coming is if we operate in the fruit of the spirit. And so today I just ask you to bless each and every person. Oh God, just help them to receive today. I thank you and I praise it as I decrease that you, Holy Spirit, will increase in me. I praise you for this opportunity, and I thank you for what you have done, for what you are doing right this moment, and for what you are yet to do. In Jesus' name we pray, and I say thank you, Lord, and amen. And people of God, today we are going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and this is going to be a three-part message Um, Today I'm bringing you part one, and the reason I say it like that is because there are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, but I will talk about three of them today because I want to get into them in depth, okay? I want to get in depth, so uh, please work with me, and then the following week we're going to speak. Today we're going to talk about um, the uh, love, joy, and peace. And then the following week, God's willing, we're going to talk about long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness. And then the following week, we're going to talk about faith, meekness, and temperance. So, which is there's no law. So I'm going to read the scripture to you, and then please follow me. I'm reading today from the New King James Version, and I'm reading Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. Chapter 5 and verse 22, which is Galatians, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Against such there is no law. Now, the King James called um, the last word temperance, but I prefer to use the word self-control because we need to learn how to operate in self-control. So I pray that Something is going to be said this evening that's going to cause you to go back and read the scripture, search it out for yourself and see what God is saying to you. And so, again, growing in the grace of God will only happen if you learn how to operate in the fruit of the spirit. You see, the gifts and calling are without repentance, but you need the fruit of the spirit because there's a lot of people that are out here, they're preaching They're praying, they're doing all kinds of things, even casting out devils, and they're never going to make it to heaven. You know why? Because they do not operate in the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, because if you don't have love, you don't have God. If you don't have joy, you don't have God. And if you don't have peace, you certainly don't have God. And as we get into this message, I hope that you will hear something, like I said, so that you can really see, and again, search it out for yourself. So, In the upper room discourse, Jesus reveals that close fellowship with him is essential to bearing spiritual fruit. We are supposed to be bearing spiritual fruit and reflect the outworking of faith in the witness and conduct of the Christian life and budding of the church. And that's that's according to John chapter 15 and verse 1 through 10. And I really need to go there. John chapter 15 and verse 1 
through 10. Let's look at that. John 15, 1 through 10. And this is, you're going to really see what I'm talking about. The Bible says, and Jesus is talking here. Excuse me. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bring more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Unless it's abide, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. That's verse four. I am the vine and uh, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Philippians 4 and 13 reminds you of that. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified and you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in me just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So here we recognize that Jesus is trying to explain to us how about the fruit of the spirit. Only if you abide in him. It doesn't matter what you do. If you do not abide in Jesus Christ. And then it talks about, I love what he says here. He says, he says, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So you may be going through some things and you're wondering, well, I'm doing everything that I need to do. Why am I going through this? And the thing is that you're being pruned so you can bring larger fruit or more fruit. That's what Jesus is saying to you. Amen. And so that's why we need to make sure that we understand the scriptures and make sure that they make sense to us. The fruit of the spirit can be broken down, like I say, into three groups. Three attributes. The first group can be generally understood as attributes given to, given by God. Because the Bible specifically states that they were given through the Holy Spirit. Uh, I just want to drop this in here. There are three sets of gifts that's given in the Bible. I've preached about them before. There's the gifts of the Father, the gift of the Son, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Father gave seven gifts. The Holy Spirit gave nine gifts. And the son gave five gifts. But we're not talking about that, but I just thought I'd drop that in today. So we will know there are different gifts given by the, the different heads of the heads of the God of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But today we're gonna talk about the fruit of the Spirit because that's the only way that you will be able to grow in the grace of God. That's the only way that your light will shine and that people will see your good works and glorify your Father. That's the only way that you can please the Father. Jesus said it right here. He said, uh, he said, um, <clears throat> we say, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you wish, what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Many people are praying, but because of their lifestyle, because of their selfish ambition, because of their, their pridefulness, because of the things that 
They're trying to achieve earthly desires instead of focusing on what God wants them to have. And they're not receiving it. Why? Because God's not going to fulfill your desire. He's here to fulfill his desire. But when you walk, when you abide in him and he abides in you, he will do what you ask him. He will give you what you ask for. The Bible tells you right here, it says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. We are supposed to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Again, if you are not walking in the fruit of the spirit, or if you're not exhibiting the fruit of the spirit, you will never be able to function in this time. And especially in this time that is coming upon us here in the Western world. Because if you don't have love, uh, I, I remember this movie, it was called uh, the, the Sword and the Switchblade. And, and, and it was by, I, I, I can't remember the guy's name, but this guy was out preaching and this guy was really evil and mean. But you know what? He won the guy over by his love. The guy told him, he said, you get away from me. <clears throat> he said, if you don't get away from me, <clears throat> excuse me, I will cut you up with this switchblade. And the Bible said, the guy said, and I'm going to love you with every piece that you cut me up. According to the story, the, the Holy Spirit showed up and the guy with the switchblade was nothing. He, he turned into like a marshmallow because when the Holy Spirit shows up, this is what happens. And he gave his life to Christ and he's the one that wrote the book. And it's an awesome read. It's an awesome read. The guy that was doing the preaching, the guy that, the, the, that was witnessing, he had love in his heart. You see, you cannot tell me that you love God that you cannot see and you cannot love his creation. Okay. Now I know it's difficult, but if you have the love of God in you, you will be able to love his creation. Amen. So, and, and so let's look at love, love, and not only this, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation, Excuse me. Tribulation brings forth, brings about perseverance and perseverance, proven, proven character and proven character, hope and hope does not disappoint because the, listen to this. The love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us by who was given to us. And this, you'll find this in Romans chapter five and verse three through five. You may want to look at that and, and read it again. Uh, Romans chapter five and verse three through five. That's the verse I just got through reading to you so that you will know. So love, love, uh, uh, I'm going to read it from the Bible so that you can see it in a different, um, I'm going to read it through the new King James. And so you can see Romans chapter five, verse three through five. Hear what it says. It says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Tribulation produces perseverance. James says to count it all joy when you fall into trials. When you go through tribulation and you understand that it, it says it, tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. When you have to go through stuff, it builds up your character. Okay, and you are confirming to the image of Jesus Christ. And then it says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. 
So we see here that when we have love in our hearts, it's because the Holy Spirit is working in us. He's working through us and he's giving God glory. And so then, so that's love. I want to look at joy and peace. And I want to look at this because I want you to really focus on what I'm trying to say to you. I'm trying to give you as much as I can. Um, the, the Bible talk about joy. Now may God... Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound and flourish, overflow, thrive. That's another word for flourish in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's Romans 15 and verse 13. You can look at that for yourself. Romans 15 and verse 13. That's the verse I just got through reading for you. Amen. 15 and 13. Hallelujah. Amen. It says, I'm going to read it again from the Bible. It says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we see here that joy. Now, uh, um, but that's, um, I'm sorry, that's still, we're still talking about love. I'm sorry. We're still talking about love. The Greek term for love for agape is used here in most instance in the New Testament. It speaks of God's connection with man and usually with the sense of God's love for mankind. We're still talking about love, okay? And say, faith also consists in part of the, the knowledge that Jesus' atonement is God's loving act towards sinners. When a Christian realizes that he is a sinner, loved by God, he enters into God's sphere of agape love. You see, only God can um, give you that agape love. We, we, we can try. But if you have the spirit of God living inside of you, you can, do, you can come pretty close to that, okay? Because we're not God, but God gives you the agape love. God is the only person that can love you while you were yet a sinner. Jesus is the only one that was able to go to the cross to shed his blood because... You needed a savior. He didn't wait until you became righteous. He made you righteous. He didn't wait until you got cleaned up. You have a lot of, uh, of different uh, denominations, I, I would say, or different religions that, you know, with certain people you have to study for 12 months before you can even accept Jesus Christ. Well, what if you die in the meantime? You got certain... Um, um, uh, so certain religion that tells you you will never become good enough to come before God. Well, that's not true because if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then you are good enough because you put on his righteousness. Amen. And so we look here and we see here where, uh, um, when a, like I said, when a, I, I'm going to repeat myself here. When a Christian realizes that he's a sinner loved by God, he enters into God's sphere of agape love. It is, it is this agape love of God that is poured out into the believer's heart through the Holy Spirit that moves the Christian to love others. You see, if you don't have that love from the Holy Spirit, because let me tell you, a brother and a sister can rub you the wrong way. But when you have that love that is poured out into your heart, by the Holy Spirit that comes from God, you can love them. You can overlook their, their stupidness. You can overlook their idiosyncrasies. You can overlook, overlook their shortcomings. You can understand that you was maybe one time just like that and God loved you anyway. And so you now can love that 
other person. Amen. In receiving divine love, Christians will love others. In receiving divine forgiveness, Christians will forgive others. So if you have received divine forgiveness and you have not forgiven your sister or your brother or the man, the sinner man, guess what? Maybe you have not received divine forgiveness. Amen. And so in verse, in these verses where a Christian is in Christ or Christ in me, the implication is that this agape love has taken hold of me and is making me into a loving person. In other words, when you grab a hold of this agape love, when you allow the Holy Spirit to pour this love inside of you, then you now can really become a loving sister or a brother. People are going to want to be around you. You will not be hateful. You will not be bitter. You will not be condescending. You will not look down on other people that you don't feel like they're good as, as good as you. You will not have hate in your heart. You will not look just because that person is not a Christian as yet. You will still pray for that person. You will have compassion on the sinner man because God had compassion on you and he went to the cross for you and I. Amen. And so, as I said, I have been crucified. I'm, I'm reading Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. If you want to go there with me, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Look what it says. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So you see, we're talking here about this agape love. Agape love is the most perfect love anyone can even con conceive. Amen. So God loves creates a new understanding about human beings and towards a new basis of genuine relationship. You know, some people say, well, you got to accept me for who I am. No, God says, come as you are, but he didn't say to stay as you are. So in other words, you may be a drunk and I'm going to allow you to come in and work with you, but it doesn't mean that I have to accept you and that you're going to live like that forever. Because if when God loves begin to shed in your heart, when you accept Jesus Christ and you have the love of Christ inside of you, then you cannot continue to live the same way. I hear many people in the church say, come as you are, but they don't tell them that you cannot stay as you are. And you as a person have to talk to this kind of people. You got to let them know, look, I'm not trying to judge you, but if you really accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then there's got to be a change. It may not be an overnight change, but it's got to be a change. Because if the love of God has been shed abroad in you through the Holy Spirit, then there's got to be a change. We cannot continue to live the life of of slothfulness and, 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 and if you were a prostitute or if you were a pedophilia or if you were a, a, a rapist or if you were a, a drug addict, whatever you are, there's got to be a change when the love of God comes inside of you. Amen? Because the love of God is stronger than any other love that you can talk about. We have, there's four types of love, but I'm not going to deal with that today. But I just want you to know the agape love, that love that comes from the Father through the Spirit that is poured out into you is what's going to help you to operate in the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. So um, 
Again, we got to make sure that we understand that this love that we are talking about, it, it overflows and it's supposed to overflow. But how does this love overflow in you and I? It overflows when we stay in the word, when we worship God, when we live a lifestyle of holiness, when we don't look at wickedness on the TV, we don't look at pornography and we don't curse and, and just have you know wrong stuff in our mouth. When we stop, put the alcohol aside, when we stop cursing and when we stop living a life of debauchery and, and just lying all the time, those things are not, they're not exhibiting the fruit of the spirit. So I wanted you to know, um, like I say, so we know that the agape love is genuine and it only comes from God. And you can have it too if you accept Jesus Christ and allow the spirit of God to live on the inside of you. Amen. Now, let's talk about joy. Galatians 5 and 22. Again, we, we're going to look at that one more time. Galatians 5 and verse 22. Look what it says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then the second one is joy. Joy. The Greek term for joy is chara. From a human perspective, it is the meaning of genuine gladness. Cause from something or someone or some occasion. But that's not what we're talking about today. We are talking about this joy can be seen. In, this can be seen in the joy chara of the birth of Jesus Christ. And it says here uh, in Matthew 2 and 10. Look what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 10. It was talking about the joy. Matthew 2 and 10. I got to read that. Look what it says. It says, when they saw the stars, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. The, when they saw the star in the sky, they were joyful because they saw something that was going to lead them, amen, to the Christ. So, so this, again, um, however, in contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is a divine joy that is beyond earthly human joy. Let me say something again. As I said, joy from a human perspective, it has the meaning of genuine gladness caused from something, someone, or an occasion. But we're not talking about that kind of joy. Uh-uh. We're talking about divine joy that is beyond earthly human joy. To gain a sense of this divine joy, Jesus speaks of his joy during the Last Supper. Amen? These things I have spoken to you. Let's look at this. John chapter 15 and verse 11. John chapter 15 and verse 11. Let's look at that and see what Jesus said. John 15 and verse 11. He was talking to the disciples at the Last Supper. Look what he said, verse 11. He says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Okay? We're not talking about ordinary joy. We are talking here about divine joy. So, Jesus' joy is based not only on the prospect of being with his Father, but the accomplishment that will be validated with his return. Amen? 
Biblical meaning for joy. Happiness is tied to our circumstances while joy is not. That's what the Bible says. Again, happiness is tied to our circumstances while joy is not. Think of verse like Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Let's look at Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Chapter 5, 11 and 12. And look what it says. Blessed are you, <coughs> excuse me, when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil thing against you for falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we see here, and then here's a verse that will correlate with this very, very clearly. James chapter 1, 2, and 3. James 1, 2, and 3. Look what the Bible says. So we can see here how these verses blend with each other. So we can, if you miss it and you don't fully understand in one verse of scripture, you will get it here. Look what the Bible says in James chapter 1. Because what Jesus was saying, in other words, you should not be upset in Matthew. You should not be upset when they revile you and persecute you. No, because remember persecution and tribulations built character. Okay, so we see here that. But look what James says. James says, James chapter, um, what I say, one, two, and three. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So we see here that we may be going through some difficulties. We may be being persecuted, but you cannot allow that to stop you from having the joy of the Lord. Because it's the joy of the Lord that, in other words, when they are doing you harm and you are smiling, constantly smiling, eventually they're going to want to know what it is that you have that I don't have. Why is it that I'm not causing you a problem? How come I'm not making you mad? How come I'm, I'm causing you problems, but you are still you have this joy within you, the joy that comes from the spirit of the living God. This is called divine joy. Amen. Which tells us to find joy in trials and suffering. This is only possible because joy comes from gladness in the Lord alone. Joy comes from gladness only in Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. That's John three sixteen and 17. What am I saying? Jesus knew what he was coming to do. He said, he told Pilate, for this purpose I was born. I was born to go to the cross. That's the reason why when he said it was in the garden and he said, Father, if it is if it's your will, take this cup from me in the garden of Gethsemane. He said, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Because he knew that he was born 
to go to the cross. And we need to understand. We need to understand that we were born to worship. We were born. Jesus said, if I have overcome the world, you're going to go through tribulations. But you, because I've overcome, you're going to overcome. Jesus says, don't worry when they persecute you. You still have this joy inside of you that's bubbling up. Okay, but it only can happen because of the spirit of the living God. Only if you are centered in Jesus Christ, this joy can come to you. And this joy can be established or, 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 or be, be seen in you. If not, you do not understand. And so that's why I said we must learn in these last days, we must learn how to operate in the fruit of the spirit. It is so necessary, people of God. At the cross, Jesus accomplishes the humanly impossible task of atonement. Thus, Jesus' joy during the Last Supper is in the prospect of completing the Father's will. And so, um, uh, uh, after his return, um, and this was before the crucifixion, this joy would not be made full until atonement was complete. See, Jesus is one that calls, he sees things before it happened. He knew what he came to do, and he says, that's why he said at the Last Supper, that my joy may be fulfilled. So we have to now mimic him. We have to conform to his image and operate in the fruit of the spirit. But it's up to you and I. It's a decision that we need to make. It's not going to happen without you. You know, Jesus knew that they wished to question him. And he said to them, are you deliberating together about this? That I said a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Truly, truly, I say unto you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice and you will grieve, but your Grief will be turned into joy. In other words, when they saw him in the upper room, they were so happy. When they ate breakfast with him on the seashore after he was resurrected, they were so happy. They had joy. Amen. And so that's what he was trying to tell them. He says, you, your grief, because they were grieving. They were grieving after he died, remember. They grieved because they thought he was going to live forever. They didn't understand the scripture. But then when he was risen from the dead, they had this joy. I mean, when he came into the upper room and he came through the walls and he said, peace be to you. They were so excited. They had this joy. They were like, oh my, you are here. You are real. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So whenever a woman is, and then here's another example. He says, whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remember the anguish because of the joy that a child has been born. Amen. So we see here that the word joy born into the world. Therefore, you too have it says, therefore, you too have grief now, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one will take away your take your joy away from you. So what I'm trying to say to you is this. I'm trying to explain to you today that love, joy and peace has to come from God. It's not a natural thing. Everybody have joy, but we don't want that kind of joy. That's fine. But when you come to Jesus Christ, you got to now exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. And it's the fruit of the Spirit that's going to carry you through. And it's the fruit of the Spirit that's going to cause Jesus to say one day, Well done, you good and faithful servant. Because if you have love and joy, then guess what? Here comes peace. As I think about this, this divine joy, again, it's not an earthly human joy. And outside of it, it is the joy 
in God, the Father, and His Son, supreme sacrifice of atonement. It is a joy that has its basis in the hope and confidence of faith and look forward to the future of being in the presence of the Lord. And that's, I don't know about you, but that's what I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to see the face of Jesus one day. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's me. So let's, let's as I close, let's talk about peace. In today's contemporary culture, peace is seen as the opposite of war. It's a state of law and order where people are peaceful towards each other or have a wonderful and calm frame of mind. The Greek term for peace in Galatians 5 and 22 is called erinen. Er, erinen. The New Testament concept of peace can be seen from the following observation. It is a messi- messianic peace rooted in the reconciliation with God. According to Luke 1 and 79, uh, Luke 2 and 14 and 19 and 42, Jesus is telling us that peace can only come through the atonement at the cross. Peace can only come through the atonement of the cross. I'm going to show you a scripture right now. It results in peace among men. Ephesians 4 and 3. James 3 and 8 and 3 and 18. However, it is a peace that arises from one who has reconciled with God. Matthew 10, 32 to 39. I need to read that. Matthew 10, 32 to 39. I need to read that very quickly. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 to 39. Look what the Bible says. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will confess before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace on, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and daughter against mother and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And if a man enemies will be and, and a man's enemy will be, be uh, those of his own household. Those who love father, mother uh, more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son, daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he, the, verse 38, and he who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. But now I got to move on. Let's get to this real important issue here. Because I want you to see what I'm speaking about. The above two observations embodied this essential goal of Christianity. And it is the idea behind the phrase gospel of peace. According to Acts 10 and 36, Ephesians 2 and 17 and 6 and 15. As the mediator, as the mediator of reconciling with God. Jesus himself is peace. Ephesians 2, 14 through 18. Look at that really quickly. You got to see this. Ephesians 2. Um, what did I say? Ephesians 2 and 17. No. Yes. Ephesians 2, 14 through 18. Let's look at that really quickly. Ephesians 2. I'm almost finished. Ephesians 2. Here we go. It says, um, For in him is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in the flesh the enmity that is in 
the law of commandments contained in ordinance so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Um, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. Verse 18, for through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. In other words, if Jesus did not go to the cross, the Bible says that God is angry with the wicked every day. If Jesus did not go to the cross, God would still be at odds with us. But because of the cross, because of Jesus Christ, you could get peace by no other means except through the cross of Jesus Christ. You could get peace by no other person except through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only person that was perfect enough to go to the cross and lay down his life. Amen. He laid down his life for you and me so that he broke down the wall. You see, when Adam sinned, it was like when Adam was born, when, when Adam was created, brother, they, Jesus was walking and talking with Adam in the garden. When Adam sinned, it was like you took a mirror and you smashed it. So there was no more connection to God. He lost the glory of God. So what am I saying to you? If you have love, joy, and peace, you have God. If you have Jesus Christ, you have God. If you do not have Jesus Christ, you do not have God. And so today, I want to leave you with that because it's very important to have divine peace. Peace is a power. Peace is only going to come to you through Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus Christ? Have you ever given your life to him? Or are you still out there where the Bible says God is angry with the wicked every day? We are a wicked people. I want to encourage you today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, to please make a decision and give your heart to Jesus Christ. You're welcome to call me at 323-293-7566. I will be happy to pray with you. Or... You're welcome to email me at gfdjc at att.net and I will pray with you. However you want to reach me, I just want you to know that I love you because I have the agape love. And God loves you too. But you cannot get to God unless you go through Jesus Christ. May God bless you. May God keep you. May God watch over you and tune in again with us. We love you. God bless you. Amen.